Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hi there, I'm Tom Marvin, technical editor at Bike Radar and MBUK magazine. This is the second part of our Meets podcast with Sam Morris, a mountain bike guide for over 20 years, as well as the founding president of the European Bike Guides. In this part of our chat, we talk about how to become a mountain bike guide, the changes in mountain biking he's seen and would like to see, as well as his takes on e-bikes. If you haven't heard the first part, don't forget to subscribe, check through your podcast provider and find episode one of this Meets podcast. As I sort of said at the start of the podcast, you know, like being a mountain bike guide is sort of one of those jobs that people perhaps often think, oh, I'd, I'd love to go and do that. So have you got any sort of practical ideas or practical steps you know how does one become a mountain bike guy maybe not you know at the, at the top level that you're, you're at the moment and you're talking about developing um but a foot in the door uh so what i'd say in terms of thinking about the top level it's just getting on more to life philosophy now focus on the process not the product like don't think about the top level to start with if, if you really want to be a mountain bike guy you should love leading rides and coaching from the beginning so you don't need to be, you can have in the back of your mind the idea that there is this top level, mm. but you should enjoy the process enough mm-hmm. to get you there anyway. If it feels like an effort, it will feel like an effort at some point. It's a lot of hard work, but you've got to be enjoying that work. And if at the very start you're not enjoying it, my first piece of advice is there are loads of other jobs. In the, if, if you just love mountain biking, there are loads of other jobs yeah. in, the mount, in the cycling industry for you. Um, if you love mountain biking 
and you love the pedagogical side of it, then keep pushing it. And mm-hmm. top ways to know if you love the pedagogical, ped- pedagogical, <laughs> you'd think I could say you the word. So, yeah. you? you think, maybe I'm not very expert. I don't know. Um, look for other signs in your life. You know, did you ever end up like a cub scout leader or mm. something like that? Are there other things? Is that stuff you be honest with yourself? Is that side of things? The Swiss are one of the only countries that actually psychometrically test their mm. applicants to see if they're well suited to the job in the first place. I think that could be something quite quite interesting um, for quite a lot of countries. But just be honest with yourself. And if you just love biking, then work in a bike shop. I've done that too. Yeah. It's tons of fun. Um, try and work for a bike company, work in distribution. There's tons of stuff. Mm-hmm. If what you love is the sharing, if you've worked in coaching and other sports before or other areas, um, even if you just enjoy teaching your siblings to do stuff you know if you've got Mm. that patience then then start thinking about it and then assuming you'll be talking mostly to a uk audience i guess um in that case you've got a times bewildering but at least varied sort of array of training providers that you can choose from and they're all pretty homogenized and they're all really great so you can just get in touch with you could Google them to find them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the top level that we work with is the ABMG, the Association of British Mountain Bike Guides. Mm-hmm. And through their website, so if you Google ABMG, you'll find the four training providers who are mm-hmm. members of them. They provide courses all over the UK. And you can do their lower level courses. And so my advice is get out there and do the job as soon mm-hmm. as you can. Get the level one course and then start guiding voluntary groups, start guiding just little local things and really develop your skills working from as early as you can keep working up through your training scheme and at the top of it there is your european training scheme and your european exam yeah that's your that's your kind of top point but if you're starting out at the very sort of at the very beginnings of your career then don't even stress about that too much it's, yeah, a, few, yeah, yeah. it's a few years down the line and that the idea of it being a few years down the line should excite you, not intimidate mm-hmm. you, because there's a few years you spend learning how to do something that you'll hopefully love for the rest of your working mm-hmm. life. Um, one of the things that you just jogged my memory, and actually jumping back to the European Bike Guides, um, apologies, like you, you mentioned a website that's been developed for, that, for helping find guides. So if you're- Yeah, that's it. So europeanbikeguides.com, mm-hmm. pretty simple, pretty simple name. And the idea is that wherever you're traveling in Europe, and we kind of, it may even become international bike guides at some point because we've had a lot of contact from other countries mm. looking to get involved. But europeanbikeguides.com, hop on there, and there's an interactive map where wherever you're thinking you might fancy going on holiday, you can find out what guides are working there, what languages they speak, and you can hook yourself up nice. with a really good guide. And they'll be great. And I, this is the beautiful thing about this because through this scheme, I've got a whole network of awesome colleagues all over Europe and you'll be working with one of them and they're all great. Let's move on from um, like the guiding side of things specifically. Um, Let's talk about bikes. Bikes. bikes and tech because yes, you know this is what you know it's, it's bike radar it's, it's kind Bring of it's, our, it's what we do. You know you've been guiding for over 20 years. Um, I don't think it would be an exaggeration to say that the bikes that you know we touched on earlier on your light speed, my Marin. Um, and the bikes we're riding now are fairly different. Um, so what are the what are the things that you've sort of really noticed changing over the past 
20 years bikes the riding riders ability riders desires like you know yep it's it's everything has changed (laughs) it's a whole different it's a whole different sport isn't it and that's what's beautiful about it um one of my pet hates in life is people being trying to sound objective about subjective things but mountain bikes are just better yeah like i've got i love my old bikes but i've got so little time for any talk of the good old days because bikes were awful yeah they were terrible um one of the most surprise something that would surprise if you were to travel back in time 20 years and tell the me that was guiding out here then that we were all going to be riding faster steeper hitting twice as many trails and more uplifting more trails in a day i would have started sweating because for any guide accidents are kind of they're your worst day yeah. at work like i've said it's the best job in the world when things go right when things go wrong you feel very small and it's it's not a lot of fun at that point you've got a job to do so you're very focused on it but it's still a pretty bad day at work when 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 that kind of stuff happens and if you'd have told me from 20 years ago as to say that we'd be riding faster and harder than ever i'd have just started sweating because i'd have just seen accidents i'd have seen helicopters i'd have seen the sheer horror of a fresh head trauma which is a really really sort of unpleasant thing to have the witness um and yet 20 years later Mm -hmm. it's come around and we have fewer accidents than we used to 20 years ago riding half as much at half the speed mountain biking was more to me in my experience was more dangerous back then yeah Um, modern bikes oh for skills coaching just the joy of being able to teach people to ride on bikes with appropriately dimensioned front centers uh-huh. like like just just like like sort of you know lower longer slacker might have sort of been done to death a million times but it needed to happen yeah. so 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 badly Every, everything we coach in skills instruction if you get somebody turning up on a bike that's 10 years old then there's a lot of skills work we just can't do because mm-hmm. that bike is actually inappropriate for, yeah. for what, the kind of modern weight distribution, body shape that we want, the kind of sort of torso rotation we're looking for. You just can't do it hanging off the back of a bike. But mm-hmm. on the horrific short bikes we used to ride, you kind of had to hang off the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't pretty. It was just the only thing we yeah. had. I remember wobbling down Alps on, as I say, like 80 mile travel, yeah. hardtails, you know, long stems, narrowish bars, not very good brakes, skinny. Like, I remember like getting a 2.1 inch tire and thinking, like, yeah, this is crazy wide, you know, yeah. like a 17 mil internal width rim. And, oh, man. And now, like, I mean, you were riding this week, you got a Starling Murmur. Yeah. Um, so it's still single pivot, which is, you know, a oh, design cool. sort of first seen in yeah, I don't yeah. know, the 1800s or something here's, like that. Here's a, here's a something that always tickles me, not close to my heart, because and I love my single pivot bike. <laughs> yeah. But every time a custom builder tries to pretend they're building a single pivot bike because of, and you can insert any kind of bike design argument, and we're like, it's all right. You're making them in your shed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One pivot's enough. We get it. It's easy. <laughs> simple stupid exactly but you know that that, that's a bike that's very much from the sort of the modern playbook of 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 enduro yeah and and, and trail bikes you know it's it's got long reach it's got a slight head angle um it's got you mean you're running it with a a coil shock four pop brakes all this sort of stuff you know i guess you can't imagine what 
you know, 20 years ago, you, you wouldn't have imagined having something like that. And it, and it's just sort of, but we were so, it, it's quite, so I had a, I had a guest from California last year mm. and she got in touch about renting a bike and she'd been Colorado state champion cross country. Right. So like you're talking Andy. really, really, really top level cyclist, but that had been about 12 or 13 years ago. Um, and she was interested in having a bike, but were wanting to know the weight of our hire bikes. Right. Um, and they were very nice all round trail kind mm-hmm. of, I can mention the bike, yeah, I don't yeah. know. So white T140s. Yeah. I love them. They're great little bikes. They're mm-hmm. not sort of, they're so capable. They're not too much for anything. They're not too little for anything. Mm-hmm. They're awesome bikes probably weighed in at around about 14 kilos yeah. i would guess um 14 and no let's call it without be without pedals won't it 14 and a half 14 and a bit um and then i put proper tires on them so maybe even 15 but i think i lied and said 14 kilos uh-huh. and uh and received an almost instant refusal a request to remove the dropper seat post and and it took uh, and in the end i said look we can't do this by email i need to speak to you on the phone and i started to say look i used to race like your discipline as well sort of mm. thing. like and my bike used to weigh nine and a half kilos and now my bike weighs 16 kilos and every single one of those 6,500 grams adds to my riding pleasure yeah. every single day that I take it out I, yeah. I wouldn't swap a single gram of it um, and and that's the joy of modern bikes you know mm-hmm. it's it's and they still climb. And the funny thing is, they're longer. How much longer do you reckon my Starling is than my Lightspeed Obed from 2000? Oh, like, it's probably 20 centimetres longer, that bike. Yeah, the wheelbase um, has got to be 13-something, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So Significantly longer. And every single time bikes have gotten longer, I've been asked if it'll still get around the switchback. Yeah. Um, and we rode some pretty tight switchbacks just today, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you did. <laughs> I pushed around some pretty tight yeah. switchbacks. And I mean, as these bikes have gotten longer and slacker, all the things that should have made them buy sort of old sort of money mm. worse in the tight techie stuff, they've just gotten better and better mm. and better and better. Um, and I mean, I know there's a limit on length yeah, that yeah. we want in bikes and it's sort of, I think we're probably... We've started pushing it now and it's sort of, it's a, it's not always that you kind of want to be at the extreme of that anymore. Um, But all the same, like the bikes are so much more capable in nearly every single, the only thing they've got worse at is being carried on your shoulders. Yeah. That's, that's, that's all they're tough of. And even then, no, because they used to have triple train sets that wanted to cut into your jugular. Yeah, yeah. And nowadays we've got we've got single rings. So so they're, they're even better for carrying. Have you found that the uh, your guests' uh, requirements or, or sort of I mean I, I, it's it's a leading question because I know that you know when when I was first coming out um, in yeah two thousand early two thousands. You know, our average, an average day or a standard, a normal day would be 16, 1700 meters of climbing. Yeah. And, and now, like, we've got bigger bikes that are more capable and we're riding at times the same tracks, but we're riding them faster, we're harder. You know, we're having uplifts and we're descending more. The requirements on, on you as a guide have changed in that respect. Yeah, very much so. And it's, it's, it's for a variety of reasons. I think um, it's 
partly to do with bikes, mm-hmm. as we talked about. I mean, it used to be, as I used to have in head, as a, as a rough rule of thumb, back in the day, 2,000 metres descending was about as much as a group could safely do before you started getting 1,000-yard stairs in some people. You started yeah. getting faces as they just come out the trenches. And concentration was going, and that was always a red flag for safety. So you just couldn't do very much on the... <laughs> on the bikes we were riding you couldn't do much more than that and it wasn't just the bikes it was the trails too because it wasn't the trail infrastructure so now mm-hmm. if people are tired and they need to chill we can hit the bike park stuff a little bit more yeah, yeah. we can actually we can kind of cater to that as well um but people were also back then would want to pedal a little yeah, yeah, yeah. bit more and it's not that they're not willing to put in work now it's still the same people they're still willing to put in work but just the the bikes are just so much better going downhill that it'd be kind of stupid not to spend a bit more time doing mm-hmm. that not just downhill we're talking traversing it's yeah. it's kind of a it's it's enduro in a sense isn't it like mm-hmm. it's, it's it's an extremely overused word but it's that that kind of approach to riding where the climb the climbing is part of it especially in the alps because i mean i've got to be honest if there's one thing i could change about the alps is that we don't have much single track you can climb up here. It's sure. a weak point. I think Keith Bontrager said it like 20 years ago or something. Mm-hmm. The problem with the Alps is that you have to climb fire roads to descend single track. And we could get onto e-bikes. That could be a whole mm-hmm. other tangent because they change this game very yeah, slightly. Yeah, yeah. But on a regular bike, if you want to climb single track, then you better be really on form mm-hmm. and willing to taste blood in your throat because mm-hmm. That's what most single track climbing in the Alps involves. There's a few areas down in the Kirha where we were riding on the alpaca last week, like where you get some mellower trails. There's a couple. We've kind of sniffed out everyone there is in the valley. That's still not that yeah. many of them. We, we pick out all the more traversy stuff, but for actually picking up height, if you're going to be spinning up a fire road, well, if there's a way to uplift that, you might as well. Sure. You might as well do it. It's just pra- pragmatic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly, we've 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 done some big days in our in our time. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we yeah. What's your biggest? Go on, can I flip it on you? Go on, ask you a question. What's the toughest day I've made you do? We've had a lot of tough days, and I think it's contextual as to the situation we've been in. Guiding, not just when we're exploring. Guiding, toughest days. Guiding. We've done rides. So one of one of sort of your. Your rides, it's called Magic Carpet. Oh, Magic goes, Carpet from the house. Magic Carpet. Ooh, Anything yeah. that is like post prefix, post vexed. Yeah. By from the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically a toughie. I mean, you're you're at 700 meters here in laundry. Yeah. Um, or 700 meters. Seven, 790, but I'll give you the 790. 790. Yeah. The tops of a lot of these trails is nudging two, two and a half thousand. Two, two for Mongevay? Two, five, fifty. Two, five, fifty for Mongevay. Yeah. So, that's like you know that's 18 and a bit straight above us yeah but no climb to the top of Montjuvet is is just constantly uphill there's little ups and downs you know so yeah. a 2000 day 2000 meter day back in the day wasn't something to be sniffed at but wasn't sort of out of the ordinary i think now it would be something that i would feel a little bit threatened by yeah yeah quite possibly it's it's still it's one that we've only the the honest magic carpet as mm-hmm. it's called it still only ever crops up once or twice a season. Yeah. And I think even at the time, I think you maybe underestimate the the, uh, the degree to which we we 
done horrible things to you <laughs> over the years because you've been out a few times. Um, so an honest magic carpet was always quite a rare, a rare accomplishment. Um, but I do think what has changed with the fact that we can do more and more descending safely, um, kind of also come tired, cumulative tiredness. You've seen that on the Alpac, yeah. the trip we've just done, point to point trips, a whole week of riding. People really aren't used to doing back to back six days back to back riding of multiple thousand meters of descending Man, return. Like we, we we put a rest day in the middle for safety but a, a lot of people will still quite rightly because mm. it's one week they get to do it per year go out and cruise the bike park on the day off mm. and sometimes tire themselves out sort of a sort of a little bit more and that's yeah that's not to be sniffed that you've got to take into account that cumulative fatigue and so nowadays, by uplifting as much as we can, you kind of reduce, mm. you take, is, is one risk factor that you manage to a degree. Because mountain biking, oh, we'll get back to guiding now, like risk management, we talk about layers of uh, little slices of Swiss cheese, is how you mm-hmm. imagine it, slices of E-down. And <clears throat> when you have a big accident, it's normally because if you imagine six or seven layers of E-down above each other, and you're trying to drop a marble through them. Mm-hmm. And all you need is one of the layers of cheese to block that marble and you stop the accident. Yeah. Um, and so by taking excessive tiredness out, that's probably one of the most surefire ways we can stop that marble dropping through. Yeah. When the marble manages to, when it lines up the holes in the Swiss trees and drops tre- cheese and drops all the way through, that's when, that's an accident. That's kind of, that's when you're yeah. phoning for a helicopter. And you're always in the kind of from the guiding perspective you're trying to manage those variables to stop those holes lining up in yeah. the cheese basically um, well should we hit that hot potato then e-bikes go on yeah yeah what's Let's have it. um currently you know e-bikes are, are a big thing if you go to any uk trail network e-bikes you know i'd, I'd say at times easily a third 40 percent mm. people are on e-bikes yeah um in the sort of, I guess, the more leisure end of mountain bike guiding, e-bikes, again, probably actually quite popular because it, it sort of flattens the, the curve of, of who can show up and, and who yep. can manage what's going on. From a slightly more uh, enthusiast point of view, from, you know, from you, your kind of guest is, is someone who can, is fairly competent riding a bike. Yep. And, is, and is by the sort of the fact that you're coming out to the Alps, and are going on holiday where there is pedaling involved, you, you, you've got to be quite relatively fit. Yep. As yet, e-bikes haven't really infringed on Bike Village. Not yet. No, we've had quite, we've had a few out, but okay. never whole groups. Um, and it's, and I get asked a lot what my opinion on e-bikes is. Mm. And I'm kind of like, that's a bit like asking my opinion on the tide. And everyone's like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, it doesn't matter what my opinion mm-hmm. is like there's going to be a high tide like that, sure. that's happening um and in terms of what you think about e-bikes i'll only ever have that discussion with somebody who's actually ridden e-bikes and worked with e-bikes yeah. and it's always positive thereafter yeah. and i love them yeah. i absolutely love them um we haven't ever had to run an entire e-bike week but i absolutely would if a group were up for uh-huh. it. um where we have seen them and this is where you know my experience is and I know this isn't the same everywhere in Britain and that there'll be issues to manage, but because there's a few issues to manage with something doesn't mm. mean that it's not a good thing. Um, where I've seen them used with our guests is normally where a larger group are booking 
And one person in that group is really worried either about their fitness, maybe they had an injury. One was classic one was an injury. Um, and what's beautiful, um, any other professional guides and instructors sort of listening will kind of uh, probably relate to this, is how it changes a group dynamic. You take a person who is normally the weakest member of the mm-hmm. group um, in terms of fitness and put them on an e-bike and you empower them because yeah. then that person suddenly they go from having been the person that lags behind that group and was really worried about coming on holiday to being somebody who can be really useful in that group because they can help the next the person who's suffering next most, yeah. give them a little push, a little hand on the back, stick it into trail and just pedal up and mm-hmm. push them up. And the change in approach to those riders is, is wonderful to see. And it, it does take management because like some of our routes have a bit of hiker bike and hiker bike yeah. with an e-bike. It's not impossible. Yeah, but man, it hurts a bit more um, than it normally does, and it's another thing to go wrong in terms of variables. As a somebody leading a ride, it's a whole other mechanical set of things sure. to go wrong. And I'll be honest, it's something. It's a whole set of mechanical variables that I'm a little bit less able to deal with out yeah. on the trail as well. Yeah. Um, a lot of the problems we get with e-bikes. Uh, a workshop fixes they're yeah. not there are there are fewer trail fixes on an e-bike um so it's different but to anyone who's thinking about starting out a career in guiding just get a job in a shop fixing e-bikes for a while because you're going to be you, you will be working with yeah, them yeah. for the rest of your career as someone whose job is to take people out into the in inverted commas the wild you know like yeah. these aren't sanitized trails a lot of the time other than the bike park bits one of the sort of common arguments against e-bikes in sort of popular discourse is that it gives people who maybe aren't in inverted commas qualified because they aren't strong enough, fit enough or experienced enough to get into, it, it makes it easy for them to get into situations that they aren't able to deal with themselves. Do you see that as? No, that's not something that concerns me. I'll be honest. Um, over the years, I haven't seen a correlation between fitness and not too much of a correlation between fitness and technical ability. Yeah. I would always be wary of somebody who was unable to pedal uphill at all Mm -hmm. because mostly because my clientele come from Britain and there's very little uplifting in Britain. Mm -hmm. So you should, if you're a regular mountain biker, you will just as a byproduct of wanting to ride trails develop a certain amount of fitness so yeah if you haven't got any fitness at all it's probably because you never ride your bike yeah. so that could be an issue um but it's out here where there's so much uplifting going on anyone that's never ridden a bike can get to the top of a really gnarly trail mm-hmm. um, they don't need an e-bike to do it um and it, it's a huge issue in general matching technical ability to trails um, I think we were chatting the other day, there was a Swiss study where the Mount Swiss Mountain Rescue went really quite deep case study work on every mountain bike accident they had. And they found that 80% of their call outs for mountain bike crashes were people that just didn't have appropriate skills for the trails that they were riding. So that is an issue. But I don't necessarily think that e-bikes are making that issue particularly mm-hmm. worse. Um, and for every case where maybe that has happened once you've probably got 50 stories like the guy i met up at a refuge on the other side of the valley earlier this summer 
who was 76, I think. Uh-huh. And he was up at the Refuge de la Croix, up at 2,100 meters. And he hadn't been there for 15 years um, because uh-huh. he couldn't ride up there anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he got on his e-bike and and he was up there absolutely buzzing. Yeah. Um, so there's because there's a few negatives doesn't mean we can't manage them, yeah. essentially. Okay. We've talked about what we've seen over the past sort of 20 plus years changing, you know, a few minutes ago, you know, bikes, riding, ability, maybe sort of uh, desires of, of guests. Um, let's look into a, a little crystal ball and in 20 oh, years oh. time, <laughs> a little swing ball there for you, Sam. What, what would you like, what would you like to see the state of, you know, guiding and, and, holiday operators where, where would you like to sort of see bike village or and and your sort of colleagues where would you, where'd you like to be yeah it's a good question it's become much more professional in the last 20 years yes yeah. there's professional qualifications there's a you know you do a better job than you yeah. did yeah yeah absolutely we certainly do do a better job and i'd like to see i'd like to feel like i had more colleagues i'd like to not have to feel like we're leading the way and to actually feel like it's and we and we do. There's so many great people working out there now, and that's a nice thing. I'd like to feel more of an international connection with those mm-hmm. people as well. That's a big part of this European project. It's it's all about that feeling like you've got colleagues all over the world. So I'd I'd love to see that strengthening for kind of. But most importantly, I mean, it's it's kind of a bit sycophantic to look at it from my point of view. I'd like to like the reason we're here 20 years on is because what I love doing is looking at it from the customer's point of view from the rider's point of view and what i'd love to see there is just choice Mm -hmm. basically um i'd like to see kids biking camps all over the world that we could go on i'd like to see just this a huge variety of choice i'd like to see e-bike holidays that i could go on with my mum and dad why not yeah and get good skills instruction with them i'd also like to see mad adventure trips to Kyrgyzstan where we could go and sleep in sort of sleep in tents on the prairies mm. or up in the mountains and, and go adventuring. I'd like to see that whole spectrum really, really well taken care of in a slightly, in a just in a professional, professional right from the kids coaching right up to the Kyrgyzstan adventures. Like yeah. I'd like to see that whole lot taken care of professionally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's fair. I did have a final question for you. And it's completely gone out of my head, Sam. So what? Yeah, what? I know. That's terrible, it isn't it? Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring Take it back. a pause. What you? Where were we? Are you the best guest we've ever had? Al? That that's definitely the question, Sam. Yeah, yeah. Can you just? Uh... Yeah. Could I? Can I follow <laughs> up on that? You are definitely <laughs> the best tantrum thrower excellent we yeah. have ever had on holiday why am i that piece up <laughs> you are is it because you push me down too many horrible words? it is yeah it absolutely is i may have i may have pushed professional boundaries <laughs> with you once or twice in the past <laughs> we've, we've had some adventures some of them you can see on bike radar's youtube channel absolutely absolutely never, um, never let blood sugar levels be a barrier to adventure definitely That's what not definitely yeah. not um yeah. Tom's African Adventure. That's one you recently featured in. And hopefully, actually, in, in the next couple of months, um, there will be a video on, on the, our YouTube channel about the Outpacker that we've just completed. Um, we, we're going to wrap this up in a minute, I think. But um, Sam's, you know, Bike Village has been based around Les Arc and La Plagne, um for 20-odd for years. Um, but over the past few years, 
I guess, like a lot of industries and a lot of companies, you've chosen to diversify a little bit. Um, and, you know, you, you have this Outpacker route, which is something that you've devised from uh, Annecy all the way down to Nice over the course of two weeks. Mm-hmm. Like briefly, like what is the, what was the, the impetus for doing that? Um, and how, how, how have you managed to sort of develop it into a really sorted package? It, it came about, that one was, um, it came about in the run up to my 40th birthday. Um, and I had a dream of riding north to south through the Alps mm-hmm. in one, I just wanted to disappear for a month um, and ride point to point through the Alps. And it didn't quite work like that. But at the same time, again, as I've said before, I'm kind of more into the process than the end point in life. And it was the process became this beautiful, beautiful adventure where I just wanted to hook up lines sort of around. It started near, near where we live, thinking of all the kind of our favourite mm-hmm. peaks that we don't normally get to ride with our guests anyway, because they're a little bit further afield. And then kind of just so much time spent like map porn is what we call it. Mm-hmm. Top, topo porn sometimes just staring at maps, dreaming of lines, driving out there and hiking up to try and see if it lived up to what you hoped it would. And sometimes it exceeded all your expectations. Mm. Sometimes it just breaks, <laughs> breaks your heart so badly. Um, and, and the kind of the end product is this voyage. It's, it's through a landscape that I love through the Alps. It's through a country that I love France. It's like, to me, it, it is mountain biking. You know? mm-hmm. It's got, it's got everything we talk about in, um, in mountain bike guiding and leadership, we talk about realms of experience. It's the things that we look to get out of at life. And there's, you know, there's escapism, um, which, oh my word, you know, what is, what's, what's more escapist than literally you take, you take the average adult with a lot of stresses and pressures in their lives. Mm-hmm. And you say, all you have to do for a week, we're on a mission. You like, you like in the A team of mountain biking, you just got to get north to south through the Alps from point A to that distant point B, you know, we're, yeah. We're up here at Lake Annecy and we need to be swimming in the sea in two weeks time. Mm-hmm. Like you've got to crack that out, but we're going to have to hike over mountains. It's, it's just, it's like being a kid again, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. All the food's going to be put on your plate. We're going to tell you roughly where to go, but you're part of the adventure. You're part of the team. That's mm-hmm. the beauty of it. Like the whole thing, you know, you've been on one of the trips. Mm-hmm. It's bringing people together that don't even all know each other to start with and just kind of forming this unit really with an objective in mind. So you've got you've got the pure fun of trails, but you've got that adventure. You've got that, that kind of goal that you're trying to work towards as well. And then you've got a lot of different types of cheese as you move yeah, down a lot the of country. Cheese, yeah. and <laughs> mostly it's just a chance to eat different types of cheese yeah. as we go as well, buy new, exciting local cheeses <laughs> and uh, overindulge. That's some bloody great cheese last week. <laughs> so, such amazing cheese. <laughs> I mean, you, you could be dairy intolerant and still come on the trip. Yeah. Um, it, it, it could, it could happen. And I, I do my best to find local vegetables mm. um saucisson if you weren't if you weren't vegetarian too yeah. but, um but really if you can somehow get over that intolerance and get back on cheese before yeah. you come i'd advise it handy if you can eat the uh french sticks as well french bread french bread yeah good job well no we had uh, a couple of weeks ago we had somebody who just lost a tooth and we okay. uh, we did sauce sliced bread for the nice. week as well we, we, we'll do always thinking we'll, so. this we'll is do, part of the we'll part what, of your guiding thing we'll do whatever we can to adapt that experience there we go all right well um 
I think yeah, we'll we'll, we'll wrap that up. But um, some that's been yeah really in- interesting. There's a lot, you know. I so say we've known each other for a long time, but there's there's a lot in there today that um, I'd never really you know never knew, and uh, hopefully listeners who found that sort of interesting. Um, can I can I add one more thing? Please, yeah. This is a this is a technique thing just to talk about, and then we can wrap up again. Mm. This is right. This is a dream for twenty years time. Really, what I'd like to see. I don't even know if we've talked about it much. I'd love to see the whole of the riding public at ease using the terms active pressure and passive pressure Ooh. in technique. Come on. So quick technique lesson. Quick, quick technique stuff. Well, it's not really a lesson because it's it, you're just listening to this, which is the least effective way to actually True. learn anything. So, so apologies. This isn't this isn't meant to instruct you. It's just meant to pique your interest. But essentially, it's it's when mountain biking. We talk about flow loads, flow trails, mm. and flow on a mountain bike. Um, I remember a quote from Adam Craig when a lot of US riders turned up at the Tweed Valley to ride the EWS and were complaining at how chunky all the trails were, all the runnels in the Forestry mm-hmm. Commission land. And he said, there's no such thing as no flow. And that totally relates back to these two concepts of passive pressure and active pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and active pressure is essentially, it's the pressure of your bike on the ground. Okay. And when it's active pressure, proactive pressure could be another term for it. It's when you are controlling how light or heavy your bike is on the ground uh-huh. for a given purpose. So the clearest example is a pump track. Is why pump yep. tracks are good for riding skills. It's why they're fun to ride. It's because if you just ride it inertly, if you just use passive pressure, all you do would be roll through mm-hmm. the pump track and you could absorb the rollers, but you wouldn't ever pick up any speed. Well, as soon as you start using active pressure, that's when you're applying weight on the downslope to generate speed. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes a pump track feel super fun. Yeah. And if you can do that on a trail, that's what makes a trail feel super fun. So that beautiful feeling when you're riding along and you see a couple of tree roots a few feet apart and you decide to lay it hard into the face of the first one and then pop up light mm-hmm. over the top of it. Stay light until you're landing again. And then get back down heavy, drop your heels, really push the weight into ground because you're then braking for the next corner. Well, that's you riding with active pressure. And mm-hmm. that's where mountain biking feels beautiful. And for most people, so much of our skills work, we can get lost in lots of details. But most skills coaching and mountain biking is trying to take people in any given situation. There's loads of different ones. It's trying to take people from a situation of passive pressure where you're the passenger to active pressure pressure where you're the pilot yeah and that's that's basically it so it's it's kind of you can distill all mountain biking technique down to that one concept mm-hmm. so and it's not really in people's everyday vernacular so i'd love those concepts yeah yeah, yeah. just to be out there it's out there now it's out there it's out Whoosh. wow well with that um little nugget of well how to improve your riding should we give a few little um so the european um bike guides that's europeanbikeguides.com com. yep um and your sam bike village so yep. bikevillage.co.uk and imba europe imba europe a big shout out to imba europe because they're about as sexy as bike guiding in terms of kind of how much coverage they get in the press but mm. like the driving force behind developing mountain biking on this continent wicked so yeah check out all of them um Little plug, you know, Bike Village Holidays, you know, they, they have always been excellent. You know, everyone who comes out, you know, seems to absolutely love them. You've got Thank a lot you. of returning guests, which is probably testament to, you know, how good they are. But um, 
yeah, if, you, if you're looking to go on a mountain bike holiday, obviously check out Bike Village in France. But there's a lot of other amazing, you know, people out there who, you know, we've both ridden with over the years. Um, and yeah, check out europeanbikeguides.com um, for that list of, um, yeah, really highly qualified professional mountain bike guides because, you know, you, you can pay, you know, pay a little bit, but pay a little bit more and you may well get actually a, a really solid uh, experience out of it. Absolutely. Love this stuff. Well, thank you very much, Sam. And um, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Um, hopefully you've subscribed. If not, do subscribe. Um, podcasts come out every Monday uh, and we occasionally have little Friday series for you too. Um, so keep listening out for them. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bike Radar.